Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Pingdom. I'm Simone de Rochefort, and I can't pronounce my own name. Hello, it's Wednesday. Happy Halloween. I'm a senior video producer at Polygon.com, and I'm here today with Brianna Wu, executive director of the Rebellion Pack, and Christina Warren, senior cloud advocate at Microsoft. What's up, guys? My apology, exactly. Apologies in advance. My voice is... um, non-existent but we're gonna get through it we are gonna you get through it for that reason we're gonna have this a week. snappy Just show crazy sexy <laughs> my, my, my 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 sexy phlegm yeah you're like who's that woman who play who did the voice of the demon and the exorcist mercedes <laughs> yeah rule or something i don't know yeah i want to say mercedes <laughs> lackey but i know that's a fantasy author and that's just not the case <laughs> All right, well, let's get into it. We are going to start off with a fun one today. Reviewers have been receiving their PlayStation 5 review units, and we've we've had a couple impressions pieces so far of games like Astro's Playroom, Uh, but the real story here is that we can now see the review unit of the PlayStation 5 in people's various media centers, on credenzas, standing next to cats. And, oh, my God, it's big. Uh, Also, um, it's Mercedes McCambridge was the name you were thinking of. Such a good (laughs) name. How could I forget that? Honestly, I agree. I agree. And and her real name was Carlotta Mercedes Agnes McCambridge. So the whole thing is just honestly fantastic. That rules. (laughs) Oh, where is she now? She's dead. She 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 was born in 1916 and she died in 2004. That's such a shame. There's still no excuse to be dead. No. I, I, you, you I hate I, to see I just, it, folks. The you know what else you yep. see? The PlayStation 5, which is 15.4 inches tall, 10.2 inches deep, 4.1 inches wide and weighs not 10 pounds, but 9.9 pounds. <sighs> so if you're having trouble visualizing this, I, I honestly don't even know how to explain it to you. I've been seeing pictures of it and it's just massive. Like whether you stand it up vertically or have it on its side, it's taking up space. Lauren on Twitter called it the um, size queen stormtrooper. And I had then <laughs> said that we need to call it the the size queen uh, stormtrooper uh, uh, tower of um, uh, a, a, a tower of fun. Tower is, of fun? Is, it was what I believe that the official name should be, but I believe that, that that Size Queen Stormtrooper is a really good descriptor of what this thing is because even the OG Xbox, which is like, you know, one of the biggest consoles ever, is is smaller than this thing, which is nuts. Yep. Bree, now I know you were kind of excited about this visual design because it it actually yes. is designed like it it doesn't just look like a box. It has like a white swooping clamshell around a. It's a reverse Oreo, essentially. I guess of a console. <laughs> it's a stormtrooper. It's a stormtrooper. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. How do you? Do you no, still feel I the same love way? it. It. Yeah, it looks like uh, you know Wally. What was her name there? Eve or whatever Eve, it is. Yeah. It's like Eva. It, yeah. It's like that. It's like the portal uh, turret. It's it's beautiful. I just want to give it a hug. And, you know, I I don't think it's I, I love my curvy PlayStation is what I'm saying to you. I just I, I you're a I curvy like PlayStation guy. <laughs> 
I, I there it is. No, it's beautiful. I absolutely love it. Man, I, um, I, I go I, ahead, I don't, Christina. Yeah. I, I don't. I, I I've, I've got to be honest. I, it's one of those designs that it's possible. Okay, here's how I feel about the design, and this is the size aside, which I do think that it's massive and chunky, and and we can all make fun of that. But that I don't really have a big issue with. The design is one of those things that is, I think, pretty hideous to look at now. But I anticipate in like five or 10 years, nostalgia is going to hit and we're all going to be like, oh, remember that design and like, like it in a throwback way, the same way we like certain 80s and 90s fashions now that are objectively bad, but we <laughs> have come to like them again, like, like, like high-waisted jeans. Like high-waisted jeans are objectively bad. But I've been buying them lately because the aesthetic like does look low cool again. Jeans were aesthetically bad. Uh, well, I guess that was an uh, early two thousands thing, not a nineties. That was thing. an early two thousands thing, and and yeah, that honestly, like you can in the demarcation of fashion history, I've had this discussion with my friend who's the fashion editor at Financial Times, and like is she agrees with me when I say that that like when 2000s fashion begins it's with low waist it's like with low rise jeans but that's Christina I'm so glad about what you're choosing to use your limited and dying (laughs) voice to say (laughs) here's what I will say about this this machine I I think that you're spot on about the design of it I think in 25 years or whatever we're gonna look back and be like oh that's so rad if the earth isn't destroyed um and I know that the size of it is practical in a way, like they're, it's full of hardware and it's also ventilating just all over the place. It's just too darn big for me. Like I have, I have so much stuff on my media center already. I realize not everyone is in this situation, but like when you're adding in routers and yep. whatever old consoles you have, plus like all the controllers that you might have. It's it's just a lot of stuff and it really calls attention to itself. And because it is so big and so bright compared to most consoles, which are black or any darker color, it it just looks garish, y'all. Oh, it looks garish as hell. My mom oh, would never okay. allow this at home, like to, to be but, on display ever. Okay, but I have to get the counterpoint to it. Okay. Of course. Uh, like uh, as we all know in engineering, form follows function, right? And what I really appreciate about this is, you know, the problem with so many of these for like the last generation PlayStation 4, do you realize like there's a massive cockroach pooping problem inside the PlayStation 4? I read about this only today and I'm still horrified. Okay. Terrifying, right? And it gets in there and they destroy the power supply. Like the power supply problem, it was why the Xbox 360 had so many problems. You know, it's it's generally heat failure is the reason that consoles fail. And you know, one of the reasons it's so much harder to keep, say, a Dreamcast up and rocking versus a uh, you know a, a Super Nintendo. Um, is because it has so many more moving parts inside of it. So what I see when it's this big and it's it's like, finally, they're doing thermal cooling enough. They're making it big enough that you can actually cool these giant 
powerful internals inside of it. Uh, sure, so, sure, but, yeah. but but that but that doesn't change the aesthetic like issues. Like I, I again, right. I, I think it's too big, uh, and I think that there are things that they because here's the thing: we know the next version is going to be smaller. Like it will not remain this size. Um, oh, sure. But, but I but, but but I can understand and like appreciate like the thermals and all that stuff. I just mean like from an aesthetic perspective. It's it's both big and it's garish. I think that's the thing. Like to Simone's point, even though a lot of people are not going to have room for this on their console, like you know where they're going to like put this in their entertainment centers, and and to be fair, that's that's going to be a problem with the Xbox One um, Series X as well. But I just feel like it's so ugly right now. I feel like in ten years it'll it'll be hot. That like I said, my mom would not allow this to be on display. So you heard it here first, folks. Christina is going to be buying a PlayStation 5 in 10 years. Oh, I'll be buying it in six months. But like, you know what I mean? I just, I don't know. Can I, I tell you guys something? Yes. This episode do. of Rocket is brought to you by Pingdom from Solar Winds. While you've been listening to this podcast, how would you know if your website had gone down? Would you know if customers couldn't click that buy now button or access your content? You might stumble across the problem by luck, but that's no good. You need a system. And you need uh, something to tell you everything is running smoothly on your site, and more importantly, when it's not. You need Pingdom. If I had any kind of foresight whatsoever, I would have done this in a Mercedes McCambridge voice, but now it's too late. Pingdom <laughs> detects around 13 million outages every month. That is more than 400,000 outages every day. Uh, Pingdom helps keep your sites and the sites that you love online. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company, you need alerts about any critical website issues. They'll let you customize how you're alerted depending on the severity of the outage. Also, they'll track and analyze your website's load time so you can see what's affecting the user experience. If you have a site of any size, you need Pingdom. And Pingdom has a no-fuss approach to getting started. All they need is the URL that you want to monitor, and they'll take care of the rest. Go to pingdom.com slash reallyfm right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And then when you sign up, use that code ROCKET at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Thanks so much to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and Relay FM. Ba-da-da-da! Let's talk about some chips. <laughs> Do you guys want to know what I decided to name this episode? What's that? Chips Challenge. Ha <laughs> ha. Great game. Great fucking Thank you. Game. Thank you for oh, saying you have to bleep me. I'm sorry. Ha, bleep me. Literally no. out loud. <laughs> I thought it was you a very have to quality me. joke. Very quality. <laughs> Folks, following on the heels of NVIDIA's purchase of ARM a little bit ago, AMD is now acquiring rival chipmaker Zilinx, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, with a $35 billion all-stock offer. Zilinx plays a big role in data centers, which likes likewise play a big role in our lives nowadays. And according to Financial Times, Zilinx's chips, quote-unquote, act as accelerators to speed up the training of neural networks used for deep learning. They can be reconfigured by customers, making them more adaptable as the demands of particular computing workloads change. 
which is a big deal in the data center world, which is uh, changing all the time. The purchase will also give AMD a toehold in the auto automotive industry and in 5G base stations. And in conclusion, poor Intel. Uh, maybe. I looked at a graph of their stocks and it it's sad, man. I mean, they might be <laughs> still doing a good job in terms of like the product that they're making, but holy cow. Totally. The one thing I will say to counter that is that it's important to remember, even though it's like very fun to drag Intel and I'm all about it. Um, Intel is their their revenues are 10 times the size of AMD's as as their staff size. And so you're you're it's in some ways you're it's literally not even comparable because you're still mm -hmm. like stock is great, but you're literally talking about a company that is 10 times bigger. Too big to fail. No, not <laughs> not even remotely, but um, although integral in many ways, it, I would have said too big to fail a few years ago, given the, the state of things. I won't. Um, no, actually, I will. Private equity would come through if something were going to happen. But Intel's not losing money. Like, that's that's the thing. Like, they're behind, but they're not losing money. Mm -hmm. uh, AMD is just making inroads. Do you think they can make up the ground, though? It depends. And and I think, I mean, it's interesting. AMD is in a position right now where they are firing on all cylinders. They also just announced new GPUs this week that look really good and look competitive with what NVIDIA announced and that just came out. We'll need to actually see the real uh, tests and not just the stuff that AMD has put out. But they're competitive, uh, which which I think is the best that anybody could have hoped for from their, their RDNA 2 GPUs. And so AMD and, and Lisa Su is amazing. I think she's one of the best uh, tech execs that we've seen. She's been a real turnaround artist with, with AMD and it's done amazing work. But I wouldn't count Intel out just because of their expertise. And we have seen them before, never to this extent, but when AMD was doing better than them uh, in the pre-core era, um, Intel pulled a rabbit out of her hat and went to core, whereas and in, in had a decade long lead ahead of really a 15 year lead ahead of AMD. So I, I don't know. I think that the bigger challenge for Intel is not just that AMD is doing so much better, but also that NVIDIA acquired ARM, that Apple is doing Apple Silicon, that the risk processors are starting to really come into their own. So there are a lot of existential threats in addition to the, you know, fact that, you know, Team Red is really doing well. I I agree with that. Um, you know, Intel is not going to go anywhere. It's There's so much legacy x86 stuff out there that they're going to be just fine for a long time. I do have to say, I mean, if you look at the pattern of this, it's hard to really not feel like Intel didn't paint themselves into a, a corner by, I don't want to say they haven't innovated because they have, but, you know, th there's a lot of writing in the on the wall. Like, look at the massive delays for KB Lake and their roadmap just constantly seems like it's being pushed back. You've got things like trying to truly create low-power Intel processors. They just do not seem to ever 
be able to put something out. Yeah, it's just, it's not great. Uh, They're integrated graphics. They've never really been able to bring a product forward that is compelling on that. They completely underestimated ARM in the iPhone era. They really didn't try to compete there. And I'm even going to say, if you go back as far as, you know, the story we did about Spectre and Meltdown, you know, Spectre and Meltdown are possible because of this long legacy inside of of Intel chips and decisions we made with page tables like literally 20 years ago and how it just hasn't been like as we've gone ahead and modernized our processor architecture, there's all this legacy stuff there that just makes it more unsafe. So it's hard to really feel like Intel has felt threatened to the point where they're really bringing their A game and innovating. I just, I haven't felt that for a long time. I mean, am I crazy? No, you're not. I will say that on the integrated graphics front, it's interesting because the Z graphics that are part of the Tiger Lake chipset are reportedly very good. Like they're better than the MX350 um, NVIDIA graphics. And and that, at least for an ultra, like that's at least going in the right direction. It's not going to compete with a discrete graphic, but it but it's at least, you know, a, a good direction change. But I think you're right. I, I think that if I were to, I, I have a question for both of you. When you bring up spect- a Spectre and Meltdown, I was thinking about this. I wonder if in having to deal with those mitigations, having to release those patches, which does dilute performance, which does have these issues and having to go back and re-engineer stuff. I wonder how much that's had an impact on their ability to meet deadlines in other ways and to maybe innovate in other ways. I'm curious your thoughts on that. I don't know. That's really thoughtful. No, it it makes a lot of sense because like here you've got uh, something so serious, it it could potentially put I mean, it's a hardware issue. It's similar to Nintendo Switch, that first generation of it being hackable, right? Because it's a hardware vulnerability. And I could really see like being aware of that huge legacy code base. That's slowing uh, production down. That's very astute, Christina. Well, we've solved one problem. (laughs) We've solved one mystery, folks. Uh, We'll definitely keep you purchased, posted, on the wild world of chip makers as they continue to consolidate. I mean, I get one final thought on this, I guess. What do you guys think it means for consumers if there becomes less competition among chip makers because they're all buying each other? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I I think that the, I I honestly think the concept that we had competition is a misnomer. Mm. Uh, I don't think it's actually true. Most of these places don't have their own fabs. They use Samsung's or TSMC to make their designs. Uh, If Apple were to buy TSMC, which has been a rumor for a while, and that's Taiwan Semiconductor, that would potentially impact um, uh, competition because TSMC makes so many chips. But I'm kind of of the opinion that in some ways we have more different types of instruction sets and more competition in the risk uh, instruction sets than we've ever had before uh, with, with the rise of ARM and whatnot and and with the, the you know, deep emphasis on x86. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I know that that's probably not the answer you want to hear, but I, I, I kind of feel like these big money purchases are really notable and it shows that Silicon is in this really hot spot right now. But I, I, I kind of object to the idea that we've ever really had competition 
I think, um, you know, I don't think anyone could have seen that GPUs were really going to be the, 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 the sexy part of computing. Uh, like they have been for the last three or four years. Like we've always thought CPUs and then the market. RIP. Well, right. I, I'm saying that the market moved in a direction totally. we, oh, yeah. we really I was making couldn't a joke. have seen. Sorry. Uh, and, and you know, I think the next uh, thing, like quantum computing is not that far away. Like it's it's not that expensive. The costs are going down. So I, I hear what you're saying, uh, Simone, about the risk with uh, a lack of competition here. I just think at this particular moment in time, I think um, really all bets are off on where chips are going to be in 10 years from now. So that's, it's not a worry I personally have. Mm-hmm. I wasn't saying so much as asking because <laughs> yep, I, I mean i genuinely enough. don't know and i also i mean we don't choose our chips we choose right. the devices that have our chips in exactly. them excellent point um so good point i think there's a disconnect <laughs> totally. all right let's talk about <laughs> a, a delightful facebook moment that's been brewing since august So the Oculus 2 shipped earlier this month, and along with that, a new end-user license agreement, which uh, will require existing Oculus users to sign in with a Facebook account to to access their Oculus purchases, Uh, and new users will be prompted to sign up with a Facebook account. And if at any point you delete your Facebook account, you will forfeit your access to any games or VR experiences that you have purchased through the Oculus Store. Um, Facebook has commented, they actually replied to a Polygon story about it, and they said, guys, this is just like if you delete your Apple ID or your Microsoft account or your Sony PlayStation account, you won't have access to those games anymore, Um, and that there's a 30-day waiting period, like, after you decide to delete before it officially, like, fully deletes everything. Um, However bit upsetting people are pretty upset about it yeah yeah you don't agree well no i I get why people are upset um this is one of those like orwellian 1984 moments just like when ironically a pirated copy of 1984 was deleted off people's kindles and (laughs) and and i think the consumer which is both hilarious and um prescient in many ways but uh i i get the anger i also see this is the problem I'm so conditioned to what this reality is, which is not a good reality, but it is what it is, which is we don't own digital software. We don't even own physical software, but you can at least access it. We don't own these things. We own licenses to them. So we all know this. We all know that we're essentially renting things. Then if a company goes out of business, you lose access to those purchases. Or if a company chooses to not support those things anymore, you lose access to that, especially if there's DRM involved. Like that's a that's a known thing. We've seen that many, many, many times over the years. So while I understand the outrage, there's a bigger part of me that thinks, one, they've said that this won't go into effect until 2023, when I guess you're required for original Oculus owners to have um, a, a Facebook account connected. But two, if, if you bought a, an, a, an Oculus 2, like, you did so with the no- with with the knowledge that you would have to use it with a Facebook account. Like you knew this, so I I don't I guess understand some of the upset with people who are like, oh, but I want to delete my account. It's like, okay, I get it, but you knew what you were getting into, and and I would argue, even 
who cares what Palmer Lucky said? Like, why anybody listened to him anyway? I don't know. But like, you know, he promised that that they wouldn't tie, you know, Facebook accounts to Oculus way, way back. You know, I, I don't know why anybody ever believed that. Like, I, I just feel like that was uh, in some ways kind of a naive thing to think that you wouldn't be required to tie some sort of account system into that in some way. So like you knowingly bought a product from Facebook. Facebook has owned Oculus for years and years and years. So I, I, I kind of, part of me is is completely understanding of the outrage, but another part of me is like, you willingly gave Facebook your money. Why would you not think that you would have to have an account to access games on the device? I, I mostly agree with you, Christina, though a little bit less cynically, maybe. I sure. mean, you know, Amazon is in court even today uh, arguing that uh, you don't own the things you buy on Amazon Prime Video Service, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know what Apple's legal stance is on this, but this is, it's an industry-wide trend. I think for me... Um, uh, the real question is, after the events of the last few years, do I feel really good about buying a device that is that tied to Facebook and your Facebook account? Um, when I could use the Oculus Store, maybe it's not like a valid thing, but I just felt like when I'm buying stuff from the Oculus Store and I'm not entering in my Facebook information, even though it's not the, it's the same company. I'm just like, I don't feel like all that tracking stuff goes along with it, you know? And then when it's like, oh, please log in, you're like, no, I'm not going to do that. Now that it's requiring it, I just, I guess I feel like the, the mental hoops I have to jump through to, to, to support this product, I, I just can't do it. I feel like there's a difference between Facebook, which is a social network first, and a company like Apple or PlayStation, where like what they do is they make hardware and they run this store. And there are social components to games in Apple games. There are social components to games uh, in the PlayStation store. But the fact that Facebook is a social network first and you have a page, and even if you don't have a page, they've they've got your shadow page already and waiting for you. Um, th there's something about it that feels different to me. And I don't like the idea of being suckered into the social network. I'm not trying to reference the movie, but it is, you right. know, being suckered into Facebook's social network just because you want to use the frankly best sure. and most affordable VR system VR. out there. Whereas with like Sony and PlayStation, I can turn off, I can hide every single thing about my profile on that store. And, and I think that's a valid uh, difference. I would counter that though. What about Google? Because I would argue that Google knows every bit as much about you, if not more, than Facebook does. And if you were to delete your Google account, you would lose access to any movies you've purchased from Google Play or music. You would lose access to any games that you rent from Stadia. Uh, you would lose access to, you know, any number of things. So how how do you feel about that? Because to me, that that is kind of a direct thing. Like if and, and, or, or any Android apps, right? Like if you if you deleted your your Google account. Um, or if you tried to use a different Android, uh, um, you know, Google accounts, um, you wouldn't have access to those things. I mean, even that, even within iTunes, this is a, a common problem with with Apple IDs. They are tied to what country you live in, and they, you can't transfer purchases. So there are people who will move to a different country and can't 
bring all their old app purchases or music or movies purchases over with them and might be able to still log in and access them in other ways, but they make it really, really difficult to, to do that. And, and you literally can't. I did not know that Apple IDs were country locked. That is news to me. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, oh, yeah. The stores are. The stores are. And so, um, you know, it, it's a yeah, they the, the accounts are country locked. So it's a real problem. And it's been a problem for as long as the iTunes store has been around. So um, but but I but I am curious, like, do you feel differently about Google than you do about Facebook? And if so, I'm curious as to why. Because I think that'd be an interesting thing to explore. What do you think, Bree? <sighs> yeah, it's it's really hard to say. I think I think I've <sighs> it, it's, it's weird tr- because I know Google I do feel different, is, but I'm <laughs> I'm going to well, need a minute well, to Google, work through why. <laughs> Google objectively, I mean, is working with like say law enforcement, right? Like a really big area of policy. I I worked on when I was running for Congress was uh, basically asymmetrical legal warfare because the police can go and subpoena Google and get all this information about you, your neighbors, phones in a park to accuse you of crimes and a defense lawyer can't necessarily do that. So when it comes to this large aggregated data you know, Google is used with court systems. You know, Google is, uh, it's its definitely a threat. I think that there's a social component to Facebook where it's easier for us to see in our daily lives how that large data aggregation is damaging the democracy. Um, and, and I think, like, overall, like, it's just a fact that Google while no one would argue that that large data doesn't have detrimental effects to the society, I don't think that they've shown themselves to be a morally broken company the way that Facebook has. So, I mean, it's like, who's worse, this this person that murdered five people or this serial killer over here? Well, I'm going to say the serial killer is worse. I mean, I but, but but I guess rather than degrees, I just feel like it's the same thing, right? Like if we're if we're if we're saying yeah. that our objection is that I don't like that I'm tied to having to have an account with this company, even though I knew that this company owned you know this this thing that I have, and I have I totally respect people having the right to have a relationship or not have a relationship with whoever they want. I just feel like how else is this supposed to operate? I mean, you know, because it it would it would be I think like weird and and unacceptable to request of Sony or of um you know Apple or of of Android to say well you can't you you have to still have ac- or Steam you have you still have access to these things even if you delete your account like I, I feel like that would be like an unreasonable ask yet that seems to be what we're asking from Facebook in this situation and I understand that people who didn't knowingly link their accounts in the beginning would be upset. I do feel like giving until 2023 when in all likelihood none of these games that they purchased will be playable anyway <laughs> is a good compromise, uh, which is a bigger thing too, right? Uh, you know, how do we archive this stuff? But but that aside, like, I do wonder if you are buying an Oculus 2 right now, you are doing so with the understanding that you have to use a Facebook account. So I, I do wonder, like, how much of this isn't just a little bit, like, down to the consumer who should, if you really object to this, the biggest way you can affect change is to not buy the products that force you to sign up for accounts that you find morally objectionable. 
And and that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm not I'm not surprised yeah. by this. Um I, I'm not at all. And I think it's worth saying, I'm not sure Oculus would exist right now if Facebook had not bought them mm. because of the way that VR has gone. Um, but that said, um, I don't feel like this is a product I can buy. Um, maybe I'd feel different. Like I've thought about getting the index, the the Oculus index, uh, which is, you know, that ties to Steam and a PC though. But the just Vive this, index? it's, it's, yeah, no, sorry. Uh, that's fine with me, but this is just, this is, a, it's a step too far. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think you're right that they, you know, if you're signing up with that account, they do have the right to take your games away when you delete that account. Uh, I just wish they were doing a different framework or for it where it was like an Oculus account rather than a Facebook account. Shall we talk about some scammers? Let's I think do so. It. All right. Poor our 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 favorite scammer, Anna Delvey, currently <laughs> Anna Delvey Sorokin, uh, has spoken up finally, saying, please stop visiting her in prison. She is very, very busy. She's it's interrupting her sleep schedule. This is my favorite part. Interrupting her sleep schedule. I do feel for her. It seems like people have been like showing up at prison unannounced and being like, Yeah, I'm here to visit Anna Sorokin. Ring me in, baby. And she's like, Oh, who is somebody's coming to visit me? I better go see them. And then being like, Oh, this is a strange weirdo. A stranger has come to see me in my prison. And I'm sure like it's a big to-do to get, you know moved from your cell to the visiting area i've seen oz i don't know what happened (laughs) absolutely Um, (laughs) you could get shivved on your way there that happened multiple times on oz there we go uh however this is the most on-brand complaint (laughs) so i had a different read on this and tell me if this is too cynical so you know sometimes like uh, for my work at rebellion somebody does something and your eyes light up you're like I can use that for political weaponry, right? <laughs> totally. And I think she I think she probably had a month where a bunch of journalists or random people were going to visit her and she was like, I can float this story out there in the press. They're gonna eat it up. This is very on brand. So I don't I see this as less of a a difficult thing of oh poor Anna. She's having like people show up randomly and more like, oh, yep, girls on her marketing game again. That's what a hustler does. I respect the game. Oh, oh, without a doubt, I think this is absolutely something that she has either inflated or has, has, is making this comment because she knows that everybody's going to love and want to talk about the hilarity of this Instagram post as we're doing right now. So it totally worked. Like, good job, Anna. Um, in that regard, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, I mean, I'm sure if if people are actually randomly showing up, that would be annoying. Um, I don't know if they are aren't. I don't really care, but I'm I'm entertained regardless. I, I that, that's my take with Anna. As I'm, she she's a terrible terrible person, but she entertains me quite a bit. And 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 uh, again, like nothing but love for 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 Rachel Williams, who genuinely suffered like terrible things from this terrible person. But Anna's. And this, it, the Instagram post was funny. It was. Like, I laughed. I was like, <laughs> she knows what she's doing. Here's my question for you. Who's running her Instagram account? Or is she, does she have a phone? No, I, no, I don't believe so. I mean, if she had a phone, that would be badass. Uh, 
she would not be allowed to have a phone. So unless she's got like a contraband one, which would be awesome. I have a feeling <laughs> she's she's probably like getting her lawyers or, or other mm. people's stuff that she has a visit. She'll like write down what she wants them to post. <laughs> That's what I'm imagining. Um, I don't know. I have a couple more observations. Please. She Please. says. Uh, if, I have a question. Yeah. All right. She says if you have something to say to her, you should write to her email, which is. Anna Delvey Diaries at gmail.com. Is that not like <gasps> the name of her upcoming like TNT show? I don't know. Um, B, she is apparently due to be released on February 15th, 2021 for good behavior. Mm-hmm. So she's going to yep. be, folks, look she's out. out. <laughs> well, be she, careful. She, well, <laughs> right. And as we discussed last time this came up, she will almost certainly immediately be deported. Uh, from the United States, but uh, but if you're in Germany or 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 um or whatever, like for for real, like watch your back, like girls coming. I, I can't wait for the Netflix show. I really can't. I can't wait for the HBO show either. Like this is just just give me all the content on yeah. this, honestly. So so this is my worry. You know, it's like yes, I do want to write her at that at that email address, but I somehow know if I do it, like somehow my information is <laughs> going to be on the dark web. And I'm going to log into my bank account one day, and it's going to be zeros forever. So this is my Agreed. question: Once she gets out, do we try to book her on Rocket? Do we run that risk? Oh God, we can't do that. We can't platform her. Yeah, I disagree completely. I think that we, it would be we would it wouldn't be a fawning interview. We would ask like tough questions. She would never come on our show. First of all, all right. but second of all, if, if we did, like it's not like we would be doing a softball interview. Like I would be demanding like real questions. Like why are you not sorry? Like why did you think that this was okay? Who do you think you are? Like what's your damage? Okay, like, I, I would I would be up for that. I just think eventually, I, I don't know, like somehow I'm going to be penniless in Mexico and she's going to have the deed to my house. So I just know it's going to happen if we invite her on. <laughs> totally. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, it'll be it'll be a bad, you know, hangover movie kind of, you know, scenario. <laughs> well, yeah, she's going to be fishing you for the rest of your life if you email that email right. address. <laughs> So if I tell you guys I'm going to give Anna the deed to my house, you're going to talk me out of it, right? No matter absolutely, how absolutely. And no matter how much you want to, okay. no matter how great it okay. seems at the time, we're going to mm-hmm. make sure that we're going to be like, remember Rachel? Rachel is so nice. <laughs> don't, don't like trust. Like, don't, <laughs> don't, don't believe trust, this person. Period. Don't, don't do it. Don't agreed. Actually, good call oh, there. Speaking of people not to trust, we have a second oh. half to our scammers in prison special oh. story here, and that is that oh, Billy McFarland, Firefest mastermind, was recently put in solitary confinement for what you ask, starting a podcast called Dumpster Fire, a very appropriate title, um, which aimed to tell McFarland's side of the story, according to Vice, with all proceeds going towards the $26 million he owes in reparations. Uh. Yeah, well, two things. One, it's only all of his proceeds, not all proceeds. Uh, I actually listened to the episode in question, which is up. And anyway, uh, there's not a lot there, to be totally candid. Um, and, And he made it very clear that apparently there's this new company called Notorious Media, which the only thing I can find on it is a YouTube page that has seven subscribers and uh, a handful of videos with very little on it. And he claims that he owns 50% of the podcast and that all of his half of the podcast would go to restitution, meaning that whoever owns the other 50%, which we don't know, 
could do whatever they wanted, including potentially, you know, funding stuff for Billy. I don't know how that works. Oh. So I'm just so I'm just pointing that out that that when he says, oh, all the money goes to it. No, all the money he claims to own from this venture. And we don't know the ownership structure of this play of this thing would would go. He claims to restitution. Sorry. Anyway, uh, go no, on. That's a very good note. Um, I was going to say it is worth noting that solitary confinement is torture and it should not be. But also, again, so freaking on brand. <laughs> all these scammers in prison are just being themselves all the time. And also, please don't pay for Billy. what Billy McFarland owes, like, the people no. of Firefest and the people of Bermuda, Absolutely. I assume. Um, Bahamas. The Bahamas. Thank you. That's his problem. Don't yeah. give him money, ever. Agreed. Agreed. Also, um, this is the second time, and look, I agree with you that solitary is is torture and is inhumane, but yeah. this is actually the second time that he's been put in solitary for breaking the rules. The first time, um, he actually was kicked out of Club Fed, which is the upstate New York um, white-collar prison, which was very lovely in comparison to where he is now and some of the other places that he could be, because he claimed he was trying to write a memoir, and then he was in possession of a USB thumb drive, and he claims <sighs> that he was going too fast. Really, I think he was trying to start some sort of business from prison, and they they shut him down, and they put him in solitary for three months and um, moved him to another prison. And that is where he was doing this podcast. And the interesting thing for me, and this is the question, like putting aside like whether he deserves to be in solitary or not, or our thoughts on that, I'm curious, like, it, is this breaking the rules? Because how this podcast worked was he did an interview with Jordan Harbinger, I think is the guy's name. I've never listened to him before, but apparently he's a big podcaster. He interviewed him for, I guess, the first episode and presumably the only episode. So A, they made major mistakes. They should have recorded the entire pod and then released it rather than releasing one episode. And then he gets in trouble and is apparently probably not going to be able to continue. But B, the the interviews, you know, he only has a certain number of phone calls a month that he can do um, were it was kind of a repurposed interview. Jordan did one on his show and then it was basically the same interview was used in this podcast. And uh, he was kind of trying to tell his side of the story. But my question is like, so so they were taking the, the recordings from, you know, the, the prison calls. Those are all monitored by people in, you know, the Department of Prisons. So I guess my question would be, like, should this be something that is banned? Like, should inmates be able to record podcasts? And and is that any different from other types of stuff? Well, I, I have to imagine it has more to do, and I don't know, but I have to imagine it has more to do with the ownership of the podcast. Because Ednan Syed did Serial, the first season of Serial right. from prison. And right. that was fine. This is my question. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I'm not sure what the rationale was. Maybe you're right. Maybe it was the ownership thing. Maybe it's the fact that he's trying to turn this into a business venture. It's also a weird thing. If you listen to the episode, which is rambling, and he says the same stuff over and over again, um, he clearly has like a list of his own talking points. He tries to seem contrite and like he's finally telling the truth. And yes, I lied. And he goes on and on and says, even if Fire Festival had succeeded, I still would have been guilty and would have deserved to go to jail. And he says these things that sound right, that sound right. But then when you, when he's pushed even a tiny bit to explain why he did things that he did, there are these excuses and justifications that that strike me as like, this guy is, is still the same guy and is still mm-hmm. a scammer. And I, I would like, Anna Delvey will 
at least like at least she admitted she was like I'm not sorry for anything. I kind of appreciate that defiance more than whatever the hell he's doing, which is to try to like rehabilitate himself. You yeah. know, I don't know. Yeah, Re- rehabilitation without change is. Ugh. I I guess I mean I have a lot of thoughts about this. Uh, I please, agree please with share. all of you. Uh, you know, solitary confinement is absolutely torture. I was really disappointed to see how uh, on Twitter, like people are making jokes like, ah, oh, finally, uh, an appropriate sentence for podcasting. And I, it's, it's funny, but at the same time, it's like, this is human beings or social creatures. It's something that should absolutely be outlawed. And even when it's Billy McFarlane, I, I just don't think it's funny. I think it's something we should get rid of. Um, as far as I, I agree with you, I think it's more that he's trying to start a business venture again. Um, but I, I would absolutely advocate. Like I think people don't realize that, like the torturers at Abu Ghraib, they learned how to do that working in American prisons and torturing people there. And I think we need more transparency and more media coming out of prison. So if it's a, if it's a blanket policy saying something like you just can't podcast uh, or get information out for the public from prison, I'm a hundred percent against that because that's not in the public interest. If it's more specifically targeted for Billy McFarlane because of his long <laughs> history of fraud and manipulating people and the fact they specifically banned from doing, you know, this kind of uh, basically pyramid scamming people, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I I think that there's some uh, punishment that is is warranted there. This is a bad egg, and this is someone that, I, you know, he's going to get loose and he's going to just keep doing this again. And, you know, we can laugh about Anna Delvey and Billy, but, um, you know, these are people that are just built in a way where they're going to take advantage of people and hurt them, you know? I'm mystified by the even if Firefest had gone off perfectly, I would still deserve to be in prison thing because, I mean, yeah, for the other stuff he did, but if Firefest had gone off perfectly, wouldn't this be a total non issue? Like, no, 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 because he lied to his investors significantly. He defrauded them and, and claimed that he had money that he didn't have. And even if Fire Festival had gone off without a hitch, mm, he, he still, still would have them. it right. Um, and 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 he still would have been basically, you know, um, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul. Like he he forged gotcha. documents that claimed the you know valuation was what it was. He he forged bank documents, and it would have been successful for the people who attended, maybe. Uh, and maybe those people wouldn't have been defrauded, but the bank still would have been, the investors still would have been. Gotcha. Well, that makes sense. All right, folks, the the story remains the same. Don't give your money to Anna Delvey or to Billy McFarland. No, or Ja Rule, honestly. Or ja like, Rule. Stay, stay yeah. away from Ja yeah. Rule, who uh, I, I guess some uh, he was asked about Ja Rule, and you, you, could, you could even hear kind of in the interview, it was like the only time that he seemed to come off of his like scripted thing a tiny bit. He was like, well, I think he's a really talented guy, but you know, <laughs> you, you, you could tell that, that there's a big part of him who's probably like, what, what the hell, man? Like I'm, <laughs> I'm holding the bag that we both stole. Like we both robbed the bank and I'm the only one in trouble. Oh, and, and like accurate, but also Ja Rule didn't forge any documents. Cause it is yep. important. It is important to remember, um, that, uh, and he said this over and over again on the podcast, which 
was really repetitive and, and I don't really recommend you listening to because it's not, it's just not that interesting. Um, I really had high hopes for it and it's just, it's not. It's like all Billy McFarlane things. It's, it seems like it's going to be great and then it's just a massive disappointment. <laughs> um, uh, like that, that is his, his, you know, MO. But he kept being like, you know, I, uh, I, I'm not in jail because of Fire Festival. I'm in jail for defrauding or lying to my investors. And that's true. But shouldn't he be in jail for Fire Festival? Like he's not. And I get that. But just because that's not why he's in jail, to me, doesn't make what he did there any less criminal. But anyway, I digress. Both <laughs> of those doc, I, I, I wish that we could return to a time when we had dueling fire festival documentaries and that was the only that like It was a better and simpler life. time, wasn't it? Honestly, it really was. And I want to go back there. But anyway. All right. Well, let's talk about what we're doing this week. Uh, Brianna, let's start with you. What are you doing this week? I'm bringing it on home for Team Biden, y'all. Oh, boy. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. Placed a huge ad buy uh, in uh, just I did another one in Florida today. That means we're also engaged in Michigan. And I'm going to see if we can wrestle up some more money to put a big ad buy in Texas. So nice. Oh, that's Let's exciting. This thing. Yeah. Uh, that's actually a great, great note. Uh, if you have not voted yet, please, I hope you know <laughs> how you're going to vote. And if you don't have a plan to vote yet, uh, please make a plan to vote. Uh, I had requested my absentee ballot in New York. You're allowed to for reasons of COVID. Um, and then they sent it out a while ago. And then instead of mailing it this week, I filled it all out and everything. Uh, and then I took it to the poll early voting station. Early voting in New York opened on Saturday. It goes through, I believe, November 1st. But don't, but do fact check me on that. Um, and I went and I dropped it right in the box. You don't even have to stand in line if you're dropping off your absentee ballot. And it's done. I have voted. So that was my plan. Um, I wanted to find the safest, like, securest way possible. And it seemed like directly putting the thing in a ballot box was the way to do that. Um, so, yeah, that's my plan. Make it seems one. like uh, your election's going really smoothly in New York, too. <laughs> Dude, you should have seen the freaking line. Oh, my God. It went, <laughs> I, I am not, I wish I could find the mileage of the line. It went, I believe, five blocks north, one block east, and then two blocks south, and then one block west. <laughs> And then one more block oh, south. No. Um, I, and I fo I followed it the wrong way for a while because I was like, well, people are facing. I know the polling station is this way, but people are facing that way. So I guess I'll walk that way. Um, no. <laughs> 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 and again, I didn't have to actually stand in the line. I just kind of walked along it going, oh, gee whiz. And then a very lovely line uh, manager pointed me in the correct direction, which was indeed the direction I had come from. So anyway, Bri er, Brianna, thank you for all your hard work. 
I uh, will see if we have you on the show next week. There's a chance you might be uh, vacationing. It could be the best show ever if we record on Wednesday next week. We're definitely recording on Wednesday because definitely recording on Wednesday. Oh God, could you freaking imagine releasing an episode not know? Well, I mean, not that we're gonna know by Wednesday, probably. We're we're gonna have a better idea though. It's not. Yeah, yeah, there's no way. I I I, I can't do it. I have too much PTSD. Genuinely, like PTSD from last election. That there's no way that I could do it. Yeah. Uh, so I will see you on Wednesday next week. Uh, Christina, what are you doing this week? Uh, well, great reminder and, and encouragement for everybody to vote um, here in uh, Washington state. You know, we are vote by mail, but I did drop my ballot off at the um, uh, King County like voter drop off place. And I encourage people to do that. I will say my mom told me um, she lives in, in Georgia in Gwinnett County. And the way that they have it, she was actually impressed because they've been doing early voting um, I was actually impressed to hear this. They had like a thing online that would tell you what the waiting time was oh. to go in and vote. And so she was able to check and then see, you know, when it was about 20 minutes or whatever for her to do that. And then she was able to go in and 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 vote. And she said that everything was really clean and was really well set up and that they had, you know, like like ocular kind of like scanners for the for, the, you know, for, for the ballots and whatnot. Um, and um, uh, she, she made it seem like it was a good process. And so that's that's encouraging to me that in some places they have actually, even in places like Georgia, where it's obviously a red state and the, the governor has actively fought for voter mm-hmm. suppression, uh, that it does seem like they have things in place to make it easier for people to vote, which I think ultimately, if anything good is going to come from this period, hopefully it will be more focus on disenfranchised voters and um, opening up more access to make voting more accessible mm-hmm. but regardless so yeah so um uh vote i voted um all i'm doing this week is um, not talking um i've already talked too much on this podcast <laughs> but this is the most i've talked all day so i'm just gonna shut up so that my voice comes back because i i i need it um for my job <laughs> <laughs> all right on that note what i am doing this week i'm just gonna play hades man i i friendly is it good oh god it's so good just like everyone Why? told me it would be Lo and behold, Supergiant has made another good game. Help me understand this, because I hated Transistor. I hated it. Why oh, is man. this one good? Uh, well, it's a different kind of game. Uh, I think they've done something different for every game that they've made. Uh, this one is a roguelike about Hades' son, Zagreus, escaping from the underworld. He wants to go party with his uh, his mom's side of the family on the surface. Uh, it just has a very, very satisfying gameplay loop. Like you you do power up a little bit every time you go through the death cycle. Um, so it's not just like, oh, you lose everything. You've died. You've lost everything. You lose your progress getting through the chambers of the underworld. But you get resources that you can use to get a little more powerful. And then you interact with all of the sexy, sexy characters of the underworld. So it's kind of like this double whammy of like, okay, I got a few more, like, a a bit more darkness that I can use to become stronger. So why don't I take it one more time? Also, now I can give more nectar to Achilles and see if I can get hearts from him. Hmm, interesting. Uh, So it's a very much a, okay, one more try kind of game. Um, (laughs) And I've really enjoyed it so far. Is it on Switch? It is on Switch, which is indeed what pushed me over the edge. 
Nice. Okay, then I'll then I'll play it. Yeah. Also, Hades is very much ugh. I have time dilation because I vividly remember. Um, I believe either Ryan or Austin from Polygon, my coworker, I could have looked that one up, writing a preview for it when it was in early access. Um, and I was, so when it came out on Switch, I was like, oh, that's funny. They brought the early access version to Switch. Huh, I wonder when it's going to come out. Like, and then I realized that, oh, it was two years ago that that huh. was written. It's been two years. Um, so, hmm. So it makes I mean, sense still that March, it's guys. out. It makes sense that it it's does. a finished game. <laughs> Ryan Gilliam at Polygon wrote the preview of it. Does, but it's still March, guys. That's why. Oh, that's true. Good point. It is still March, which is just slightly closer to 2018 than almost November yeah. is. <laughs> anyway, on that note, uh, Christina, where can we find you online? Sorry to make you talk again. You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. And you can find my videos for work at youtube.com slash Microsoft developer. And you can listen to my podcast about 5G at um, wherever you get podcasts. Um, it's called Networked the 5G Future. And that link is in the show notes. Brianna, where can we find you? You can see me on uh, Brianna Wu on Twitter. And please, 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 please. We're so close to winning this election. Christina, we're working on some ads for Georgia with Excellent. a celebrity from Georgia, a comedian celebrity from Georgia. Tyler Perry. I hope we're going to be able to make this happen. Would it, would it be Medea, maybe? Uh, I'll tell you later, but I'm hoping okay. we can make it happen. The point is, we've got to win this thing. Georgia is literally, uh, Biden is winning by about one point. Texas is in play. Florida is looking good. Michigan is looking good. Even Nebraska is looking good. So please help us get out voters. Help us get this message out. Go to helptherebellion.com. Support us. We're really doing good work. We've reached over 3 million voters. It's just, we got to win this thing. It's very important. And in March, you'll be able to see Brianna on Anna Delby's Instagram account as well. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at doomquasar and at youtube.com slash polygon. And you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts and leave it a good old review. Leave it a star rating because that helps other people find it too. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.